Hi, I'm Rachel Luttrell, and this is GateWorld.net, your complete guide to Stargate. GateWorld.net presents part one of a 10th anniversary exclusive interview with Joel Goldsmith, composer of Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. For GateWorld.net, I'm David Reed, and I'm on the telephone with Mr. Joel Goldsmith, composer for Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis. Joel, this is truly a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered. You've been writing music for Stargate since day one of SG-1, Children of the Gods. What got you roped into this franchise to begin with? Well, I wouldn't consider it roped into the franchise, <laughs> but um, I, had, I had worked with Jonathan and Brad on Outer Limits ah, okay. um, when they were doing Outer Limits. Okay. And that's and that's where we, you know, we had actually not actually met on Outer Limits. We had, um, we had always there was always some kind of a liaison between us. Okay. But, um, but they called me for SG One. All right. So how long had you been working on Outer Limits? So you've been the the new series, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. You've been yeah, working. Yes, I think that none of us are quite that old. <laughs> <laughs> to, to have worked on the original. So have you been working on that since season one? Um, on Outer Limits. Yes. No, I believe I came on the second season of Outer oh, Limits. Okay. I believe, okay. and, and um, um, I believe it was the second season. What do you think were some of the qualities that you had that they wanted to transfer over to SG One? You know, I don't know. That would be something you'd have to ask them. I, 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 I not one of the scores on Outer Limits kind of related to um, SG One really at all. Right. It's very alien sounding. Yeah, Outer, you know, in Outer Limits, you know. Were, they were it was a very eclectic scores you know because they were you know the different stories right do you think that sg1 has a more human quality to it than outer limits yes um i think that actually i think that some of the shows that brad and jonathan wrote for outer limits were you know were 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 really quite personal and and very emotional i think that i think that sg1 is as has continued with that okay when you started off with SG-1, what was your first objective? Did you meet David Arnold or have a dialogue with him regarding his theatrical score? Um, David and I had chatted. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a bit different because, simply because David, you know, had the LSO to work with and, right. and, and um, the budgets were quite different. But, um... um I chatted, and there were a couple. I, I had talked about using a few themes, and right. and and Brad had mentioned that they had wanted to use, they wanted to have the signature from SG One, the the musical signature, and right. and it was fun to uh, to adapt that. We were the first few seasons. I used it a lot more than I do now. Now, right, it's, it's, it's a lot less. Right, the musical scores from the film. I imagine you wanted to use them more often earlier on to make that connection from that leap from the film to the series you know i think i think i did what and and, and what happened is is earlier on obviously we were a little closer to the film right and and um and especially with the the Gould storyline right and and um so a lot of those themes were really quite quite um appropriate right to use. Um, then, as we started to, you know, as we started to, to add more of our own characters, um, um, 
you know, Thor, and et cetera, <laughs> you know, then we, then, then as I start to develop more themes of my own, and slowly we just kind of, um, also, you know, I, I, I didn't want to pound in, pound, pound the David's themes into the ground. I mean, they're very, you know, um, recognizable themes, they're terrific, but I also didn't want to just completely, you know, you know, bash the audience over the head with them every week. Right, Exactly. Well, this, I mean, SG-1 is its own entity, you know, and you wanted, I'm sure you wanted to grow out from that. Yeah, we definitely did. And we, and we were finding our own voice. That was one of the reasons that I, I, I wrote a, a, a unique end title for SG-1. Yes. Is we wanted to have our own voice, of, uh, somewhat of our own voice, you know, something that, that was going to establish that we were um, our own entity. Was the end title one of the first things that you did? Um, yeah, it was. The first thing I did was arrange the, I kind of made a little, the, the main title of SG-1 was kind of a, a little medley almost. Right. Of, um, of, of the Stargate themes. Right. And, um, and I did that, I arranged that and, and presented that to, to, um, the guys and they were happy with that. And then I said, hey, well, can I write an end title? And they said, sure. Right, and I wrote an end title, and they liked it, and we put it in. <laughs> it seems as though the Arnold's main title for Stargate was more of like an overture of the adventure, whereas uh, for like Abydos. But your end title for SG One is more like a more militaristic, more upbeat, spunky uh, rendition of something that would be more equated to a team going through the gate on an adventure. I think that I, I, actually, I think that's pretty accurate and i think that that was the um the approach that i was taking when writing it right you know um david's main title is very exotic as yes well. and and it's terrific you know and 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 it's very evocative and i just want to do something a little bit different but still you know with the signature right well this sound enough like it to be the same series but different enough to open in all sorts of doors yes exactly okay could you tell us about the process you have to go through to kick out a typical a typical episode, the time that you have, and so forth? What exactly goes on? Well, it's 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 different um, often. You know, sometimes I'll get you know you know a couple weeks for a show, and sometimes it, it you know it, it won't be depending on on we get we get log jams sometimes. Oh goodness! But um, we'll get we'll get it. I'll get a show. Um, um, we will we will discuss it. Um, sometimes we will simply have a conversation about it mm-hmm. um, with with um, um, Brad or Robert. And sometimes we will go specifically through you know and spot it traditionally and and kind of take it you know scene by scene and discuss what's going to happen musically. Mm-hmm. And um, then I just go right. I t- I, then I will go and try to, um, if there's going to be specific themes for the show, I, I approach those themes and, um, and go on from there. Okay. You know, um, it tends to be pretty grueling okay. in the midst of the season. <laughs> yeah, with two weeks' notice, I would imagine. So is that the tightest that it can get? No, it can be about a week. Oh, Generally, my goodness. In the, in, the, in the heat of the season, in the heat of the season, it's um, it's about a week per Goodness. episode. Goodness, that we have writers um, writers block must be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, there's really no time for it. 
Yeah. It's really simply, I just don't have the luxury of, of, of having writer's block. Okay. You know, I just don't. I um, have the luxury of, of, of recently been, been um, Neil Akery has been a huge help. Okay. And, and, has, um, and has helped write, writing on the shows. He's been a terrific Ah, so he's like your, is he an aide or? You know, Neil started off as as my assistant and and proved you know I mean proved to be a very gifted composer, mm. you okay. know, and and has um has been a huge help to me. Okay, All right. how much lead time have you been given for some of the bigger episodes like Lost City, as opposed to two weeks? Do you have months in advance at any point? No. Um, <laughs> You know, theoretically, theoretically, the the as they start finishing shows, yes, there is some there is some lead time on on shows, but because you know, especially since I'm doing both shows, um, Atlantis and SG One, it's a production line. I'm just kind of right. taking one at a time. Right. This is very traditional for episodic television. This this is not this is not unique to SG One. Right. And and as a matter of fact, in many ways, SG One we have more time. Really? Um, than, 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 say, somebody who's doing, you know, um, CSI. <laughs> but because we're doing full symphonic um, scores, um, we tend to be, it tends to be a little more time-consuming mm. than, than a score that's using a smaller ensemble or really an electronic, atmospheric approach to scores. Okay. It can be very tedious. It can be very... Um, 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 intricate what we do. Okay. And so therefore we need a little bit of extra time right. to well, do it. Well, you're not just bookending a commercial break. These are very operatic. Yes, we'd like to, you know, I like to think so. Okay. You know. Okay. Ten years of this show, is that the length of time that SG-1 has been on, does that help you compose or does that hinder you with the amount of stuff that's been done? It helps in many, many ways. There's a huge pool of themes to dip into. Right. When you have that much material, you know you can you can you can rely on on certain approaches. Yeah. And everything I have, you know, if if it's if it's a Daedalus, I know where I'm going to go with the Daedalus. <laughs> if, it's, if it's an Asgard, I know where I'm going to go. If it's, you know, now if it's if it's if it's Ori, do you know what I mean? It's, it's exactly. It's, there's there is a thematic approach to everything we're doing. Right, right, exactly. Because it has it all has its own identity. I mean, right down to the like the costuming on screen. Your your music really provides the backbone for like the emotional end. I like to think so. I mean, I like to think that we are. You know, the, the, you know some of the. You know, it, it's really a shame. You know, with 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 science fiction, sometimes for some reason I really can't say why. I. I wish I could know why that science fiction does not necessarily get the credibility yeah, it's or the on. respect it, that that it deserves so yeah. much. You know, and and some of the shows that we've done are so emotional, are so well written, and the characters so three dimensional. It it baffles me why science fiction tends to get this pigeonholed into the, uh, something that's supposed. Uh, that's maybe less serious mm-hmm. than um, than straight drama. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? 
and I just and it baffles me. I know. So, um, yes, I believe that we are a. To, to answer your question, yes, I do believe that I am a, a important emotional voice of the show. But um, often, all I'm really doing is I'm um, accompanying the the emotion that's that the writers and the actors are giving me. Okay, <laughs> great. You said that sometimes you'll have conversations with the with the producers, and their input tends to vary. How often will they come to you with "This is the kind of sound that we want," and how often do they let you take complete creative control? Well, I would say that I would say that 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 I I never have complete creative control as far as control goes. I think what they want me to do is they want my creative vision on on whatever it is, and then they have the control. <laughs> right. Right, you know, and they and they keep it under control. Right, um, but you know, generally, if if it's not if if we don't have a big discussion about about a specific show, it's because it's kind of you know after all these years, it's 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 kind of we know you know the communication level is that, and the trust is there that they kind of know where I'm going to go with it, and mm. I know what they want, mm-hmm. and um, and there's certain things you know when there's a when there's something that's near and dear to someone's heart you know, um, more than usual, because everybody takes the show very seriously, you know, then we'll have a little more of an expanded conversation. That sixth sense has got to be very rewarding creatively, because not only do you know where they kind of want to go, but you can also inject your own personal signature into it. Yes, I think that I, I think it definitely is, and and it's very rare. You know, nobody nobody works on a show for ten years. It, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's it's nobody nobody has this experience. Right. And when Robert came on, it took a little bit of time. Mm. And and I remember, you know, because after a show, I get I get notes. Oh, you and, do. Um, and they watch the show, and then they give notes to everyone to the sound effects and in ADR and, and and music. And all of a sudden, I started getting notes of this guy named Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of, who the hell's Robert? <laughs> What's this? All of a sudden, is it simply a matter of budget? that you're granted the use of an orchestra only for the pilots, or is it more of a personal preference? It's budget. Okay. It's all of our budget. You know, um, both, you know, Brad, Robert, and I would, li- would like to do every score um, with an orchestra. Okay. We, we, we would love that. And, and, but they would also love to, you know, they would love to shoot probably for 90 days for each episode. Exactly, well. right. We just can't do it. It's not real. Right. Well, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you here. This is probably one of my biggest pet peeves of the series because I'm not trying to slam um, synth-generated music, but you can't beat an orchestra. And you turn around and you look at Battlestar Galactica, who is doing these choral, uh, who, who are inviting uh, these guest soloists and everything, and I'm like, I wish that we had the money to do that on SG-1 because it is such a rich environment for that. Well, on Battlestar Galactica, you know, I'm really not terribly familiar with it, but it's also not a a full symphony orchestra that they're using generally on Battlestar Galactica, are they? I don't know. I I don't know. I think it tends to be more ethnic. They're doing a lot of world music approach towards things. Right. And and it's not like a full, you know, where where we're, everything, our voice is basically an 80-piece symphony orchestra. Ah, okay. That's, That's my palette that I use. Okay. And I don't think Battlestar Galactica has any kind of a larger budget than we have. It's just a different approach of what our voice is. Our okay. voice is this full symphony orchestra. I believe theirs is more of an ethnic approach. Okay. Where it can be handled electronically as well. 
Okay. We spend a lot of time, and there's a lot of skill in simulating the orchestra as well as as well as we do. Okay. You know, do the best we can. Okay. Is there anything that fans can do to push for getting an orchestra, like during the season finale or this season opener? You know, is there anything that we, as as a voice of interest, can do to push that? I don't think any more than than Brad and I can. Just as a matter of fact, just last night, Brad and I were talking about you know how how we're going to you know work work live orchestra into into the to the movies. Oh, the the two TV miniseries. Yes. Excellent. And and we were just discussing that and and how logistically we were going to do that. Okay. And because um, there is a little more budget on that. Exactly. So that right. Do. Will you also be given more time for that? Oh yeah. That's a, a different thing, I believe. Okay. Besides the two pilots, what has been the hardest score to compose that sticks out in your mind? Hmm. That's a good one. That's a good question. Um, I would probably say, um, and I'm going to forget, I'm horrible at remembering the episode names, the first, the first Ori episode. Yes, okay. What would, what would that be? What would that when, be? when they were first introduced? Yeah. They, they came in in an episode called of... Avalon Part 2. It's when the is prior was introduced. Avalon Part 2 or Part 1? Well, Avalon Part 2 was when she was tied down to the Ara, and that's when the prior came in and saved her. The very end of that... Is the first time we saw the... The prior, the, the that's prior. right. I would say that that was probably... Because that's when I had so much thematically, I remember, that I had to develop. Right. And that's and that's that's when the heavy writing is when you're doing thematic stuff. That's when it gets pretty heavy. And I believe probably Avalon Part Two that it would probably be. Okay. Um, the Ori, their themes are so choral oriented. You know, yeah. religious background. What is your inspiration behind that? Well, there's certain parallels to what's happening today, modern day, is in, in the storyline of the Ori. Right, the religious wars going on today. Yeah, and you know, there's something definitely, you know, you know, gothic and definitely something um, Gregorian. And, and I was, I tried to take a lot of different. Um, um, you know, a few different styles, I should say. Okay. Kind of, um, you know, meld them. Okay. Into basically, a, you know, you know, there's definitely a Christian kind of a um, um, tone to them. Mm-hmm. Catholic. Yeah, I would say. Okay. Was that a daunting task, or was that freeing from the Gaul for that you've dealt with so, for so long? Um, neither. It was just fun. It was just, okay. You know, it's, it's not, I, I, I never see that as daunting. I think that that the daunting task is when we see that many minutes of music has to be written. <laughs> you know, that's the most, you know, just like the, the writers, you know, when they see how much, how many pages they have to write, and I see how many minutes I have to write, and the, and the director sees how many, how many pages he has to shoot. Those are the daunting tasks. <laughs> you know? Okay. Everything else is fun, you know? It's what we live for. Right, exactly. 
Hi, I'm David Nickel, and this is GateWorld.net, your complete guide to Stargate. Wormhole disengaged. 